Hello and welcome to Coffee with Conservationists, the podcast where I sit down with anyone who dedicates their lives to protecting, researching and documenting nature. I talk to them about their work in a range of areas such as wildlife conservation, ecology, human and wildlife coexistence and worldwide environmental issues. My usual coffee feature today is actually not coffee at all. Find out more at the end of the episode. In today's episode, I speak with Alana Scott. We talk about the work done by Kerner Conservation to bring back important species to Cornwall and to rewild the Cornish landscape. Rewilding can be quite a touchy subject, and I would like to take the time to mention that all opinions expressed within this podcast are mine and Alana's alone. They're not representative of Kerner Conservation or any other organisation. Hi Alana, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Um, We'll start, we usually start these episodes off um, by getting you to introduce yourself a bit. So could you tell me about yourself, who you are and and kind of where your interest in the natural world first started? So yeah, my name's Alana. Um, I'm one of the three directors of Kerner Conservation um, and I'm also an ecology and conservation biology student at the University of Exeter. So I'm currently at the end of my bachelor's part of my master's degree. Um, and I guess my interest in nature started, I don't really know where it started. Um, I probably just, I think I just really liked animals and wildlife growing up. And then as I got more interested into wildlife and the environment, I got more interested in like all the issues surrounding that. So like climate change and rewilding and stuff like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I uh, just apologise, I'm probably trying to edit them out, but there's going to be, because we're recording in the wild, there's a lot of interference in the background and there's going to be kind of a a couple of um, mic feedback sounds at some point um, between each question. So we're here to talk about kind of conservation, um, which recently gained CIC status. Could you tell me about kind of conservation what is it, what do you do, um, and why it's a, a good thing that you've just gained that status? Yeah, so we started off in 2019. Um, I actually wasn't there at the founding at the start of Kerner Conservation. Um, it was founded by David Carrier, who is also now one of the directors, um, and a few other students from the University of Exeter. And they started off just as a kind of group of volunteers who would go to nearby sites and landowners and help with habitat management and uh, from there they grew Um, they had a committee and then I joined in April of last year I think so April of 2021 Um, just as part of the committee because I wanted to get involved and um, shortly after I joined we kind of took off and grew um, a lot bigger because I managed to get us some funding from an organization called Mossy Earth to help us to breed water voles, to reintroduce them to one of the sites that we work with. Um, And so this past kind of academic year, I'd say from like September, October to now, we've grown exponentially. We've we've managed to to get that project set up. Um, We managed to launch a crowdfunder as well and raise over £12,500. We've now launched business memberships, individual memberships, and had a few business members sign up. Um, and we've just become, yeah, it's culminated to the point where a couple of weeks ago we um, are now registered CIC, so that's a community interest company. 
which is kind of in between a charity and a business in the sense that we are a non-profit um, but there's slightly less red tape um, around what we can and can't do which charities have a lot of yeah that sounds incredible and um so obviously we'll talk about waterfalls in a minute because that's a massive part of what you've been doing lately um what what do you do kind of generally apart from the waterfalls could you uh talk me through some of your past projects in the last couple of years yeah so um at the moment we work with two main sites one of those is trellisback farm um, which is also where we're reintroducing the waterfalls but at trellisback farm we also help to conserve the marsh fritillary which is a endangered species of butterfly and we do that by helping to monitor the larvae um, which only live off a plant called devil's bit scabious so at Trellisback Farm, there's quite a large area filled with devil's bit scabious plants. And um, in the months of April and before, you can monitor the larvae. And then around this time of year, actually, is when the larvae start to turn into butterflies and all the marsh fritillaries will come out. And they only live for a few weeks um, to lay more larvae before they die. And then the larvae will grow over the course of the year. Um, so we just help to protect and monitor those larvae really to kind of keep the population of marsh fritillaries going. Um, we also work with a site up north called Kabila Cornwall, which is a rewarding and kind of eco-retreat site. Um, and we just help organise volunteer days there, also help organise volunteer days at Trellisback Farm where we do other kind of habitat management stuff. Um, and we're developing a few new things as well, so we're organising photography workshops at both Trellisback Farm and hopefully soon at Kabila Cornwall. Um, we've also worked with the Cornish Seal Sanctuary a bit in the past because they had a new beaver enclosure um, and they wanted to monitor how beavers impacted the biodiversity of the enclosure, so we've done a few biodiversity surveys there. Um, but really we're hoping in the next year or so to expand the amount of landowners and people we work with to be able to help um, restore more biodiversity across Cornwall. That's really incredible. I've I've been to Kabila myself, lucky, lucky enough to go on a university field trip there, and I didn't see any beavers, but we saw some evidence of beavers, um, and rewilding is obviously a very hot topic at the minute, has been for a few years now, on in kind of the mainstream, um, with huge sites like NEP, obviously, but... Um, smaller sites as well in Cornwall and loads of, of amazing, incredible work happening up in Scotland. Um, with our Chelsea Flower Show recently, the winning garden was rewilding Britain's garden, which is really incredible, um, with, I think, like, pre-chewed beaver sticks from uh, Coombs Head in Devon, um, which was pretty amazing. Um, with In particular, with a, a focus back on Cornwall, um, Obviously, you work with some amazing landowners, and that relationship is really important. Why Why is it so important for uh, groups like Kerner Conservation to work with people who own land and kind of not um, exclude big landowners from the from the conservation process? Well, I think I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on this, but I think it's something like 70% of Cornwall's land is agricultural, um, which means a lot of Cornwall's land is just fields of agriculture, um, which is obviously not the best for the natural environment. So I think it's really important for, in general, just for people and organisations to work with um, these farmers and other people who 
um, own a lot of this agricultural land and even other land um, to help them realise that restoring biodiversity is super important and to help them restore biodiversity and kind of rewild their own agricultural land. Yeah, you answered that really well. Um, and yeah, I think it's having been in Cornwall for quite a long time now and seen a walk through, you know, miles and miles of field of agricultural land, you can see how it's um, it's so important to, that a lot of it is quite quite wild already compared to some of the upcountry farms that I've been on. I think Cornish farmers do have that relationship with with nature nailed down fairly well, but there's always more that they can do, of course. Um, Talking of water voles, because that's kind of, you might say, a kind of flagship project for you because it's such a huge one and it's the one that you use to to really push the the crowdfunder to get their conservation um, into the mainstream down here. Why why water voles in Cornwall? Why why is that a species you you really wanted to focus on? So water voles are quite endangered across the UK um, because of two main reasons. So most uh, a bit of habitat fragmentation, um, but mostly because of an invasive species called the American mink, which was introduced here to be bred in fur farms, um, and then managed to escape from those fur farms or be let out by animal rights activists kind of not really sure (laughs) which happened first Um, but either way they managed to colonize the whole of the UK um, and they are really problematic species for water voles Um, so I guess I'll explain that in a bit but firstly just to say that um, water voles went extinct in Cornwall in the 1990s at least that's what is thought to have happened Um, some people still think they see signs of water voles when they're technically like been labelled extinct so we're not 100% sure if they are completely like they were completely wiped out in the 1990s but um, a couple of water bowl reintroductions have happened already in Cornwall but those are mostly up north in Cornwall so for example in Bude um, and there hasn't yet been a water bowl reintroduction in the kind of southern part of Cornwall so we just saw that opportunity we had Trellersback Farm which is a perfect site for a water bowl reintroduction because we've got a lake Uh, multiple small ponds streams um, and then obviously that's near a big reservoir because it's in Stythians and near a lot of other landowners sites you also have ponds and streams Um, and we had a habitat suitability assessment done and the assessor did say that it was a really good site to reintroduce water voles so we just thought it'd be the perfect opportunity um, to do that. And why why are water voles so important to their surrounding ecosystem was all role do they play in in their wider environment yeah so mostly they're a really good prey species for other animals so that probably sounds really mean that we're reintroducing water voles just to be <laughs> eaten by other species um but they actually act as like a good stock of food for a lot of predators so by reintroducing water voles you'll attract like loads of birds of prey herons otters um all those kinds of animals um and also, because of the way they dig their burrows into the soil, this can actually change soil competi- composition and um, nitrogen levels in the soil. And because they eat such a diversity of plants, as well as changing the soil composition, this can also alter the, the composition of plants as well in the environments that they're in. No, that was that was a perfect answer, because I really didn't know really anything about waterfalls before I started um, following the work of Conan Conservation, so your scientific engagement you put out on social media, 
is obviously working and really excellent as well. Um, and I'm really glad that you're that you've got that much funding to be able to to continue the work. Um, what's next? Well, now you've got this funding. Now you've got this the species and obviously the uh, several different projects in the pipeline um, that you're working on. What's next for kind of conservation as a as a CIC? So I mean. The big next thing is actually releasing the water voles, so that will probably happen in August or September, we're not quite sure yet. Um, and then after we've released them, obviously we'll keep working on that project because we'll need to monitor them throughout the year and possibly reintroduce a second batch um, in May of 2023 just to top up the population because they have such short lifespans, a lot of them die throughout the course of the winter. Um, but aside from water voles, um, I guess we really just want to focus on getting more funding. Um, the amount of work we have to do now behind the scenes is getting to be quite a lot. And unfortunately, like two out of three of us are unpaid and just voluntary. Um, and we have very little money for the salary of one of our directors. But the amount of work that we have to do is full time, pretty much full time work. Um, so we guess we really want to focus on funding and once we're more secure in that we'd like to try and potentially we have a few ideas in the pipeline of other species we can work with um i don't think i have the liberty to disclose any of those um on the podcast but we're definitely going to keep with the water vault and marsh fertility, pro- fertility projects for as long as we can and make sure those keep being a success yeah, that was amazing. Obviously, I understand about various um, commitments that you can't say different species. Um, kind of ignoring kind of conservation for a minute. I don't know if this is a workaround, but um, you might just yeah, nothing to do with the organisation whatsoever. In your own objective um, personal opinion, is there any dream species that you'd like to see reintroduced back into Cornwall? Um, can even be a species that's just not doesn't have to be backed up by science or anything just just something you'd like to see return here um, well I'd like to see the widespread return of beavers that's already starting to happen um, wild cats um, I'm quite partial to cats in general I think in the very far future perhaps something like lynx but at the moment we don't really have the space for that kind of animal but if this was a a utopian situation where we did (laughs) um yeah i think having like predators throughout the uk would be kind of rebalance our ecosystem so lynx would be be a nice one yeah definitely an uh, idealistically an ideal situation um not in a in kind of yeah utopian dream um we don't really have the do we have the the kind of habitat type in cornwall for large predators because they they prefer somewhere northern scotland really yeah i mean at the moment um obviously not um i think things like lynx prefer forested environments so no (laughs) it would require a lot of rewilding and complete change of the landscape before then um which is obviously a a massive radical step for for cornwall that's they're probably quite resistant to compared to various other places i mean rewilding already has a, a very mixed um reputation throughout the throughout the world really um but hopefully we can uh, with enough science communication and kind of open uh, public discussion we can achieve amazing things as we've already seen with beavers especially um i know there's one or two completely wild beavers just 
illegally running around the UK, which um, we, as people who know about rewilding, have our suspicions where they came from. But uh, um, yeah, that's a whole other podcast episode in itself. Um, How can local, uh, specifically, obviously, how can everyone get involved, but specifically because you are kind of conservation how can local Cornish people and, and um, local people living in the in Cornwall um, get involved in, in the work you're doing? Um, so we offer volunteer days, so that's probably the easiest way you can get involved for free. Um, so those mostly happen more during the winter and autumn at the moment um, because during the spring and summer everything's out in full bloom. We don't want to touch any of the plants um, but during the autumn and winter we do quite a lot of habitat management volunteer days at one of our sites in particular at Trellisback Farm um, just to help prepare for the species returning it's for example helping clear more more of a larger area for for more marsh fritillaries or this year we did a lot um, around the lakes in pre- preparation for the water voles um, so that's probably the easiest way to get involved and you can check out our events on our Facebook page, so that's just Kerner Conservation on Facebook, where we advertise them. Um, apart from that, um, probably you becoming a, a member, so an individual, or you can buy individual student or family memberships, um, will give you some extra benefits and ex- other exclusive days. Um, we're hoping to hold more events in the future that people can participate in, like guided walks and stuff like that, but that awaits to be seen. Yeah, so the volunteer days aren't necessarily going to be pretty, but they're absolutely vital work. Um, and yeah, last but not least, we have a little quick fire round. So it's something I do on the end of every podcast. It's just four quick questions. Um, if you're okay with that, yeah, sure. Good. It, it's called a quick fire round, but I think I've only had a couple of people ever who have immediately been able to like rattle off all the answers um, because they're quite tricky. So first up. What's your favourite animal? Um, griffin vultures. That was actually that was actually pretty quick. Um, I didn't expect you to answer that fast, but yeah. I don't actually. Mm, I don't really mm. know if they're. I'd say they're my favourite just because I've studied them the most. But yeah, <laughs> I don't really know. I don't really have a favourite. I guess I like no. a lot of different animals. Where Where is a place you like to go and connect with nature? Somewhere you feel really at home outside. Um, the mountains. Um, I think the Alps in particular. Do you have a conservation hero? And by this, I, I obviously it's not it's not amazing to idolise individuals. It's really just a someone in your sphere of knowledge and expertise that you really admire, look up to, and are inspired by what they do on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> um, I guess the um, Isabella Tree and Charlie Burrell who are the owners of NEP, probably, because they're the owners of one of the largest pioneering rewilding projects in the UK. Yeah. yeah, we haven't had that yet, so that's a good answer. And last off, how do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee, I don't like coffee. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's all right, that's, no, that's fine. Um, you're just making me want to change the name of the podcast, because I think you are now the third, fourth, either the third or fourth person in a row plenty of people have said it but i think you're the fourth person in a row to have said that uh, which is quite impressive so i might need to go with some maybe some hot chocolate uh this episode i'm not sure um do you have a do you have a hot drink of choice yeah probably hot chocolate I like yeah good dark chocolate 
Yeah, yeah I think that's what a lot of people have said, really. Um, so, yeah, Can that's... Yeah, of course. Um, that's about it, really. But um, So, before we go, you would like to, to share some places that people can get involved and plug. Um, yeah, your own social media or really any any platforms you want to talk about um, fire away okay so you can uh, find us on Instagram LinkedIn and Facebook as Kerno Conservation um, also just www.kernoconservation.org um, is our website we've also launched a T-Mill store again that's just Kerno Conservation on T-Mill where we're selling merchandise and we're looking uh, working with local artists so at the moment we've got one artist who's done a lot of marsh artillery design so if you fancy a new t-shirt with a nice butterfly drawing on it um feel free to go and check that out and if you'd like to just donate to our projects it really helps us out um you can do that on our website yeah <laughs> that's about it and um is there any of your own social media or anything you want to plug as a nah. budding scientist uh, no i think it's okay <laughs> all good yeah yeah so uh all that's to be said is thank you so much for your time for coming out here and um yeah for telling us some really important and interesting stories Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Alana for taking the time to speak to me today. You can find links to Kerner Conservation social media in the description down below. So I hear you, coffee isn't for everyone. And now with more than a few guests saying they prefer hot chocolate, I've decided to feature a couple of hot chocolate companies within this season. Today I'm choosing Hearth Hot Chocolate. This company uses direct sourcing to work with growers on the ground, using organic certified cocoa, sugar and environmentally friendly packaging. I got a bag of this hot chocolate for Christmas last year and would highly recommend it. The link to their website will be, as ever, in the description. A big thank you to those who support me on Ko-fi. Your donations mean I can do more walking podcast episodes like this one, cover more exciting events in the future and support sustainable and ethical coffee growers. Coffee with Conservationists is now available on Spotify, Anchor, Google and Apple Podcasts, as well as a few more streaming services. As ever, thank you all so much for listening. I've been your host, George Steedman-Jones, and this is Coffee with Conservationists.